podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush. I'm Nat Coombs. He is Prop O, a.k.a. Producer Ollie, a.k.a. the Unders King of Plumpton. How are we feeling, big man? Yeah, do you know what, Nat? Um, I have to say, I'm feeling good. Um, I thought, what a game it was last night. That was, I mean, what an absolute privilege that we're going to get to watch Mahomes going against Herbert twice a season, probably even three times a season for a lot of years to come. Like, that was absolutely sensational. Um, And yesterday and the day before has also just been absolutely delightful for nothing else but uh, Urban Urban Meyer content. Oh, I mean, I agree. I'd actually flip the, the priorities around that incredible football game with two of the best quarterbacks of their generation brilliant defense on both sides who'd have thunk that compelling back and forth mm, less important than the urban Meyer unraveling that <laughs> we've been oh. seeing over the last 48 hours my personal favorite oh and I'm waiting to I want to hear yours my personal favorite the footage of urban Meyer on we think it was a yacht certainly some anyway it, on live television with a shirtless guy in the background doing what looked like a bong. It doesn't look like it sounds like it's the sound as well of the water bubbling. And then also Urban Meyer, he can bear, yeah. his eyes are barely open. His <laughs> eyes are so red in that video. What's Urban been up to there? Incredible scenes. So this is uh, Pablo Torre put this out on Twitter. So if you want to go and seek that out, uh, we'll try and push it out uh, on the NC show handle as well. So it was Urban Meyer's Big Ten Network live shot. And as Pablo says, the shirtless boat guy who was allegedly hitting a bong in the mirror, just go and seek it out, listeners. It is incredible. So that's my favorite Urban Meyer. And there's been, it's a high bar, I can tell you. There's been a lot of good stuff. What about yours, your favorite? It's got to be from his TV hit on a Fox network where they got Urban Meyer's criteria to examine for struggling teams. According to Urban Meyer, the three things you need to examine to turn a struggling team around one, trust mm-hmm. issues. <laughs> Two, dysfunctional yep. environment. Yeah. Three, selfishness, which honestly describes pretty much everything that's gone wrong in Jacksonville this season. It's so those are the three things he identified as what you need to tackle. And yeah, those are those the things, things, things he's introduced to Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Urban. It is absolute. I mean, the only thing I have is obviously. The reason why the, the uh, nail in the coffin was that story through Josh Lambeau. Yeah. And we know with Josh Lambeau coming over here pretty much every year, obviously, except for the next one, depending on which team he lands on, mm. is that he is one of the nicest guys in football. He is 100%. one of the players who's embraced English culture, embraced yeah. the English embracing of NFL more than anyone. Everyone I've spoken to, spoken to him, just says he's one of the nicest guys ever. He is and really, really engaging. Football player. He was a, he's really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, in our football because he, he played for a long time. And yeah, you can take it from the horse's mouth, a legitimate source if ever I saw one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Saying yeah. it's happened. I think it's pretty likely that it happened. 
No, exactly. And obviously that is just, I mean, you can't treat a player like that, like that in this day and age. And especially the way you treat, you would never, ever see the great coaches like Andy Reid and Bill Belichick undermining special teams players like that. Never, because he, they realise how important great they point. are to the team. Like how important is Adam Vinatieri was yeah. he for that Patriots team and that Patriots dynasty with some of the kicks he made? Like you can't understate that. But at the same time, so... I said it live on radio on Sunday. I thought he had to go. I mean, he's a walking controversy. He just, he embarrassed himself from start to finish in this job. And there's considering there's only 32 possible jobs you can get for this. Mm -hmm. The fact that he got one and treated it like this is absolute insanity. But that is also the exact same reason why I'm absolutely gutted that he's gone because he is nothing short of box office. I know. And I guess, look, let's hope he bounces back into the college system, although it will be less controversial likely because he's more in his element there. But at least if he does, we can have more fun with him on on our college day show. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. or, Or maybe you'll parlay into uh, some kind of broadcast gig <laughs> that would be that would be good the yeah the i'm surprised that they did pull the cord during the season for for reasons that we've talked about i think a fair bit on this show on our radio show outside of the compensatory element it's just not what you do unless something i mean it just underlines how dysfunctional this had become right it, it, because and you have a gruden style situation you have no choice but to 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 make that move rarely does this happen so when it does it if there was any doubt lingering in anybody's mind of how bad this had got there you go i wonder i i'm sure we're gonna well it's not one of the games we're focusing on but i i could see a Big, a big cat bounce for the Jags. Have you honestly seen the numbers moved from the Jaguars being favoured by three and a half mm. to five and a half wow. since Urban Meyer lost his job? Like, how has that happened where a team loses their coach or sacks their coach and their and money comes in on them in, to yeah. win? But then you've got, you had the likes of Shaquille Griffin coming out and saying, it'll be nice to have a coach who listens to us for, for a change. Like, it genuinely sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And if there's anything that someone should take from this, someone who's probably got a lot more time than me or a lot more creativity is, I mean, it's basically like a, in the same way that I finished Succession last night. Now I'm gutted oh. I finished it. Have you watched it? Yeah, I've seen the finale. We don't want to get oh. spoilers for our listeners if they haven't, but oh. whoa, what a finish. Wow. What a finish. Wow. And I have to say, as much as I thought the, the finish was incredible, I thought the second last episode, the penultimate episode, yeah. the scenes with Kendall and Logan, the scenes with mm. Shiv and the mum, I think genuinely some of the best, that was one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen in terms of acting, in terms of intensity, in terms of like the comedic aspects of it as well that they managed to incorporate into it. I mean, when Logan brings over Kendall's son to try that mozzarella, like that is so simultaneously dark, but brilliant. Who's your favourite out of them? Oh, I mean, it's got, I mean, Greg and Tom are iconic characters. <laughs> they are absolutely yeah, yeah. iconic characters. I think they are, it is absolute. I mean, I, I think it's, I would say it's probably one of the best shows, if not the best show I've ever seen. Well, I, it is terrific. And I'm glad that, uh, of course you are watching it because it's made in 2021. Yeah, exactly. So. I knew that was coming. But if you like that, like I always say, deep dive into some of those other other yeah, drums. No, I will. Talk about, it, I mean, it's very oh, much in, yeah. there's a collection of, of just elite shows and that is, yeah undoubtedly in the mix there on, on well, this what note, I was going to say was is hmm. that in the same way that someone is very cleverly which is the writer has basically utilised the idea of well let's put it simply the Murdoch family and what they yeah. have created and made a very funny but simultaneously quite dark 
show out of it, I think you could easily do the exact same with Urban Meyer's story at Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Although someone was on Twitter, a lot of people have been on Twitter about Urban Meyer, right? In the last couple of yeah. years. Someone was saying, who would you cast in the movie, uh, Urban Meyer the movie? Uh, I replied, Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm um, just uh, connecting those points. Uh, shout out to Nick Shook, the Nick Shook. I thought you'd like this. And, and then we'll get down to business. When asked, says Nick, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, which I know is often a, a big point of contention at this time of year. It is at 100%, by the way. I know it's coming. Uh, Trevor Lawrence reveals he's not seen Die Hard. I know. <laughs> so, uh, yet another thing you have in common with the great Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, me and Trevor Lawrence have a lot of things in common. I yeah. think uh, just generally, like our arm talent, uh, our physiques, mm. they're all very similar, probably. The amount of women that are attracted to us, you know, they're probably is a long, it's a long list of similarities to me and Trevor Lawrence. And that is just another unlimited one. list of similarities. On that same note, mm. have you seen the photo of Trevor Lawrence with Mac Jones's hair and Mac Jones with Trevor Lawrence's hair? No, but this sounds great. It is. It, you will never be able to unsee it. It is absolutely <laughs> incredible. But uh, yeah, so look that up on social media if you haven't seen it. I'm looking it up as we speak. Uh, just on news breaking, because we've obviously done our review show this week, but with quite a lot going on in the world right now, uh, no conventional preview show. So we're going to double down a little bit, uh, edge rush with extra news and uh, uh, getting you set for the weekend in a slightly different way. So we're a little bit like this week on pods, but uh, I'm sure you could understand with everything going on, why it's been pretty uh, frenetic schedule for us. The D-Hop news, interesting. So he's out yeah. for... The regular season, at least, and it's the at least asterisk that should worry Cards fans, I think, right? Because it could be really touch and go as to whether he even suits up, let alone the fitness level he's going to have and therefore the impact even a player as great as D-Hop. How much does this impact the Cards' chances? It obviously does. How significant is this going to be? The way the NFC is shaping up. I think what we've seen so far this regular season is they managed to win games without both Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. So I think mm -hmm. they have the capability to finish the regular season still strong mm -hmm. because of the capabilities they have both on the de defensive side of the ball and also elsewhere. AJ Green has really stepped up this season. I really like Christian Kirk and Zach Ertz. They added for this exact reason was to give yeah. them more pass catching options. And obviously Kyler Murray is a playmaker. He can utilize the likes of Rondell Moore as well. So I think for the regular season, they have enough you know as soon as they get to the playoffs and especially if they're on the road or especially if they get a difficult matchup which is likely considering some of the the quality of teams we're going to see in the playoffs mm. that's where DeAndre Hopkins is a must for them and I can't especially when you consider how little experience this team has in the playoffs if they don't have the likes of DeAndre Hopkins let alone they've already lost JJ Watt for the whole season mm. I think that is when it's going to become critical for this Cardinals team they need to do whatever they can to get D-Hop back yeah. for the playoffs. Yeah, I, well said. I, I think that that's spot on. It's a lot different, of course, when you're in the, the deep old waters. And uh, I look, let's wait and see how it plays out because it doesn't look great. I think you can often read between the lines with the language that is used from teams. Equally, you can overanalyze that too. And But the simple fact is, if he's not going to be fit for at least the end of the regular season, that's the first week of January so to do the maths here, right, with that. Uh, with that situation. One other thing in terms of news, which which we can't escape, is how rife COVID is, mm. obviously across uh, America as it is across uh, our country and how it is significantly impacting the NFL more than 
I think last season, really, it feels like it's having even more uh, of a bearing the rate at which uh, Omicron is spreading and the impact that it's having. Is there a danger, do you think, Carl, that we could be seeing the kind of delays to the season because of this variant that we didn't, we feared that we might see last year, but, but we didn't see. We celebrated the NFL's very, very capable and canny navigation steering the the league so rather steering the season through on time there were some obvious very close to the wire situations uh, of course where certain games i think it's it's fair to say were completely mismatched because of the impact of covid and, and we might have one or two of those this weekend washington yeah. in particular right are, are, are heavily hit and they're by no means the only ones but do you are you looking at this and seeing the 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 rate of uh, impact and the vo- the volume uh, significant impact that we're seeing already at this stage of the variant that come the ultimate week of December, first week of January, are we going to see a break in the season? Are we going to see a break in the season? No, I don't think so. I mean, I've been, as you know, I've been working on the Talksport Premier League coverage all week and the circuit breaker is the top, the hot topic of discussion right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more of a, like more of a case of damage limitation instead of asking for a circuit breaker. I think what I think it's interesting because obviously the only case I can think of from last year, which was really extreme was when we ended up watching Raven Steelers on a Tuesday night. Yes. And, and it seems like the, the Browns and the Washington football team are the two teams where you're thinking they have so many positive cases. I mean, Case Keenum tested positive yesterday, which means Nick Mullins is going to be starting a quarterback. Go for Mullins. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't actually the end of the world, much better than what um, the Broncos had to do last year. Yeah, I was going to say the Broncos were yeah, probably the biggest. The Kendall biggest, Hilton. Kendall Hilton, that's right. I was trying to mm. reach for his name. That was, in many ways, I think the most loaded deck wasn't it that the why uh, why the broncos had to play or rather the fact the broncos had to play that game and i know it's complicated because you can't necessarily legislate for individuality in this situation but clearly when you all three of your quarterbacks have gone out that i wonder if there should be common sense uh, uh, applied there it's hard yeah but drew lock was their starting quarterback so like how bad could the drop <laughs> so it was actually an upgrade yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we were saying yeah um, no, but I think, and also the really, the really tough thing. And Baker oh, isn't it? Sorry, to, just to jump in, but on your point, isn't a circuit breaker the same thing, right? If 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 the NFL say, well, we're gonna, that's that's the same thing that I'm asking. Is there going to be a break for a week? That's what, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I say that's, that's more like Premier League. Yeah, that's what I meant. Where it's like, I think what their approach will be is not a complete circuit breaker because there are certain games that can go ahead. Like the thing about the NFL is, is I think that significant amount of injuries is just. That is just a part of the league. We've had Shane Vereen come and talk on this podcast and say that you have to expect injuries throughout the season. And that's why the squads and the rosters are so big. And that's why depth is so important. I mean, we've seen the Ravens outperform themselves incredibly considering that they basically haven't had a secondary for the majority of the season, but they still managed to deliver because of how good the coaching staff is and how well they prepared for this situation. But there are certain Mm -hmm. specific situations such as what we're seeing with the Browns right now. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing with the Washington football team is where they are so plagued by COVID cases that it's not fair, especially when you've got two teams who are right on that tipping point going for the playoffs. And we're right at the critical point of the season. It feels like, I always think in any situation, you always have to apply context. And in these situations, mm. I think it's, it is tough to ask the Cleveland Browns to go out and perform on prime time with the amount of players they actually have available to them. But playing devil's advocate, where 
do you draw the line? And if you're, I, I agree, it's unfair for them to have to navigate that. But I guess all the other 31 teams would say, well, then the breaks, it could happen to us next week. And, and at what point do you say, well, it's not reasonable to expect you to play this game because they're contenders, because it's your top two quarterbacks, because it's a certain number of players. I think it's quite hard to to legislate that. And it beca- and this is the issue, right? That I think if you talk to a lot of, of people within the game, they'd understand and those with a vested interest as well would understand the the commonsensical and pragmatic logic there. But yeah. it's there is one thing, practice is another. How do you actually 100%. apply it? It's easy just to say, nope, you just roll on. And if you've got to call up the guy from the practice squad or yeah. uh, give Joe Flacco a run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, who quarterbacks that could come back because of, of COVID. Uh, Christian Ponder. I'd like to see Matt Castle. I'd like to see in the NFL. In <laughs> Who would you I like mean, to it, see? A blast from the past. A blast from the past. Who would I? I would. I think, to be honest with you, the person that I would like. To, I'd like to see like Peyton Manning come back. Do you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> just like Eli Manning. They both of them just come back to play against each other. You know, so like they just bring back some legends of the game. And at least that would get that would get people watching, you know. I would, oh, I, yeah, I would still do a job. Yeah, they they would definitely still do a job better than probably some of the quarterbacks in the league right now. If they managed to persuade the legends to just say, "Look, you can learn a playbook in a week. You're going to go up against another quarterback who's doing the exact same thing. Let's just have let's just have it out. Like this is at the end of the day, the NFL is an entertainment league. Let's bring back some of the stars of the game just for one week. There's they've got depleted teams anyway. Let's just see Manning go on Manning and see who comes out on top. Why can't we, uh, Manning incidentally, I particularly like Peyton Manning, if he didn't suit up and just kind of rocked out, rocked up in jeans yeah. <laughs> and, t-shirt and just was lusting it around. Why can't we get some, we've got to get down to business in a minute, but why can't no. we get some, uh, some kind of vets, like soccer sixes or beach soccer kind of, you know. It's called the Masters. Do you remember yeah. the Masters? Yeah. What, what, no, what's the Masters? Oh, do you remember the Masters? It, was on, it used to be on Sky Sports and it was, Brilliant. It was basically, they used to get uh, old players from English football teams and they would play six aside in like... Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to absolutely love it and also love gave it. me the insight into sort of like 90s football, 80s football, looking yep. at some of the legends. And it's so much fun seeing who's still got it as well. So it, much fun. Big time. But so why don't we, why don't they ever look at that? Like a kind of flag version? They have it in basketball as well. They have the three-man yeah. league. Three-man league, exactly. I wonder why that hasn't been done before. No, uh, I think, I guess because they're... That'll all, make the Pro Bowl. That'd be a good Pro Bowl thing to have... That would be a vets, really good Pro Bowl thing. A Vets game. I, I yeah. You know, we said earlier that I should be commissioner of the league. Maybe I should. It's actually... I'm starting to put up quite a case here. We did discuss this on our WhatsApp group um, <laughs> because you had been crowing in your usual uh, magnanimous and, and restrained way how you called Urban Meyer to be fired and Ben and I had said that was never going to happen. <laughs> Uh, which was very gracious of you. and Yeah, I just liked it. It's just because you looked at me like I was absolutely crazy <laughs> when I said it. Like you looked at me like, because obviously I said it live on air, yeah. on national radio, and you looked at me like, oh, sure you want to sure you want to run with this? Like yeah. coaches don't really get sacked mid-season. You want to look at me like, sure you want to keep going with this? And I think the uh, problem is yeah. when I get someone testing me like that, I will just double down. So I think I actually went even harder. So that's and, why I admire um, about you proper. You see other people <laughs> yeah. with Wilt and... 
uh, and fade into the, the background. You just <laughs> doubled that and went big. No, I was just going to say back to the point that we were probably making about 10 minutes ago now. Mm-hmm. You're completely right in terms of the pragmatic approach that the NFL have to take yeah. with the COVID cases. Like They set the precedent when they allowed the Broncos to go out with a wide receiver at quarterback. They're not going to delay <laughs> these games. They are going to force these teams to play no matter what. And it is a test to see what these guys can do and what these coaches specifically can do with the players they will have. But I'm just really sad for the Browns and the Washington football team because I thought the Browns Raiders was going to be a really interesting game to watch. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, just it's taken it's taken the fun out of it because like immediately there's just a, an asterisk on it. And also I took the Browns early in the week so I'm really upset about that. Mm, that's you and your early your early nods. You and your pros, you pro yeah, sharks. Yeah. What can I say? All right, let's get down to uh, three games we're going to do. So we're going to do Cincinnati, Denver, Packers, Ravens, uh, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, partly because they haven't been uh, significantly affected by uh, yes, COVID. Drew Lock of the week uh, and our Acker of the week as well. So which we won last week. Which we won last week. So the Acker's back on. Yeah, we won with the Acker. Since I've become my involvement has come back into the accumulator. Oh, is that one? We've got <laughs> two out of three. <laughs> so it is. Okay. That is um that is something to know. Unbelievable. And also, no, 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 unbelievable. No, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. We both won our Drew Locks of the week, and you, Nat. It has to be said, you're hot right now. You're four, you're four in a row. It's very impressive. Four in a row. I am, you could say I'm like the Denver Broncos who are four and two in their last six. <laughs> but you still, but still nobody's really buying them. Yeah, do you really, you really want to compare yourself to the Broncos? Come on, that you're at least like the, you're like the Raiders. I was trying to, thanks. <laughs> I was trying to segue us nicely into uh, the Broncos. But yeah, so that's, so Drew Locke, so we're neck and neck, which is exciting. Uh, just for the record, our season record is what? Eight We're both nine and five. Oh, nine and five. Of course. And yeah, right. Eight, five. Nine and five. That's pretty good going. That's pretty yeah, good no, going. I think it's impressive. Uh, and Araka landed as well. How did you get on with your prop bets? Yeah, the prop bets solid two and one. So again, just another, yeah, another positive one. So not good. too bad. This All week's right. going to be more difficult because they haven't released any of the prices basically for the for the lines. So I'm going to go touchdown scorers. It's going to be instead of a okay. Saturday special, it's going to be mm. a touchdown scorer special. Touchdown scorer special. I like that. All right. So let's start with Bengals Broncos. First things first, I look at this and scratch my head that how are these teams both seven and six? How do these two teams have an identical record? I think about the season and I think about everything I've seen. How are the Bengals and the Broncos that level pegging that it, it's it's crazy the and the broncos as we said a moment ago four and two in the last six and in that run they've had wins over the cowboys they've had wins mm. over the charges mm-hmm. i every year there's a team that is in contention that no one's really talking about that no one's really buying and i think maybe the broncos are that team this season that they're not getting the the credit that they deserve because if you said to me the Bengals and the Broncos have an identical record going into week 15. If you said that to me six, seven weeks ago, I'd have laughed you out of, of Dodge. Now, they do, and they're both in the playoff mix, and this is crunch time for both of them. I just think we project the Bengals very high because of Burrow and Chase and the Razzmatazz. The Broncos, they're all about defense. They're all about the ground game. Teddy's solid. They just don't really have that flair, so we sleep on them a little bit. Yeah, I think that's spot on. But the problem with the Denver Broncos is, is what we see is massive inconsistency. We see 
games where they completely fall apart and like we saw against the Eagles and those always, mm. I mean, they're quite one dimensional and that's the issue. I think that's the one mm. reason you have to give Cincinnati Bengals is they've demonstrated a little bit more flexibility. They've got a bit more about them all round as a team. Whereas the Denver Broncos, they are just so reliant on running the ball. Their flattest performances this year, they only got seven points against Baltimore. 14 against Cleveland and 13 against Philly. And all of those games came with a dud on the ground. So Javante Williams, I spoke to, spoke to you about him a couple of weeks ago on the show. I think he is an absolute star. And I think he has got an incredibly bright future in this league. Nobody has broken more tackles by him. And it's by a landslide, by the way. Last week, we saw the best of him coming out of the backfield as well. He runs harder than... Most people in this league, maybe even anyone, he is an absolute stud. And when you've got Melvin Gordon to compliment him, that sets up an absolute dynamite run offense. But that means when you do take that away, Teddy has struggled. All we've talked about this year is how great their wide receiving core is, but we haven't really been able to see the best of the likes of Cortland Sutton, Noah Fan, Jerry Judy, because Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been able to get the production needed with the pass that is like that is also largely due to the fact that he doesn't get a lot of pass protection mm. from his offensive line he doesn't get a lot of time but I just think this team is a little bit too one-dimensional and that's why they don't necessarily get the plaudits that the likes of the Cincinnati Bengals do who have demonstrated that when they can't throw the ball such as when we saw it against Steelers they will run down your throat with Joe Mixon yeah. and this vice versa really interesting points I will call this right now or oh. I, on the basis, and you've, you've made a great point about the line, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they re-up at quarterback, which is the elephant in the room, right? They were looking to, if reports are to be believed, to do that going into this season. Whether Teddy's done enough, predicated on this principle of everything else around you, is Teddy good enough to get you to the Super Bowl? And I know that you then say, well, is he good enough to win you a Super Bowl? And you look at Garoppolo, you look at Goff in recent years, and did those two teams l- lose the Super Bowl because of their those quarterback shortcomings. And Garoppolo was it, actually both of them had had shots, right? So there are specific plays and specific moments you can identify and say, well, a, an elite quarterback, a great quarterback, would have converted there. And maybe you can isolate it on those specific moments. I tend to take a, a, a I guess, a more macro view of it as well, and not base it on a, on a specific moment. It is an enduring question. A quarterback that's good enough to get you to the Super Bowl when the chips are down, is that when you need a Mahomes? Is that when you need a, a, a Lamar-style player to, to elevate your team, Rodgers? And that's where the... I was going to say mediocrity, which wouldn't be fair to either Garoppolo or Goff, but the, that's the, the fundamental difference between an average, competent, a competent quarterback and a great yeah. quarterback, right? They're both yeah. competent quarterbacks. They're not great quarterbacks. And Teddy, it would seem, is clearly in closer to Goff and Garoppolo. Whether the Broncos feel, and any team really with a quarterback like that feels the Browns and Baker, you know, feel that it's they're going to be enough. And it, it's something that will... God, ever since I've been involved with the game, gets talked about and will continue to be talked about. That aside, right? And I appreciate the significant point to put aside. Let's assume that they feel confident enough with Teddy, or if they are going to upgrade, that it is with a vet, a Matt Ryan kind of vet, as opposed to rolling the dice on a on a rookie from from this draft class, which is maybe too much of a gamble. I think the Broncos are, are serious contenders next season. I really do. Yeah. I love I love what they're doing in terms of how they're building. This organization, you mentioned all of the significant positives with the, the offense, throw in KJ Hamler as well into that 
brilliant receiving core. He's been back. Tim up, Patrick. We love Tim Patrick on this show. I mean, it's a heavyweight uh, offense that is building a young dynamic offense. We know all about their, their D. I really, really like the Broncos. I think that's a season too soon. I think the Broncos are a playoff team next year. I think they're a contender mm-hmm. next year. I'm throwing that out there right With now. Vic Fangio as coach. Great question. I think he should be allowed to follow through for another season. Yeah, yeah. I do. I think look at their balling, record. Yeah, yeah, they're balling for him. Exactly. So ah, on that note, Zach Taylor, your, your favorite. Now, you have been pretty much since I have worked with you, certainly it's one of the earliest takes I re- remember us talking about, not a fan of Zach Taylor. Yeah. You're not, you're not buying. You never really have. Then this season, particularly early on, they're rolling. Everything's looking. Well, maybe I was wrong about Zach Taylor. You hated his play calling last week, right? You thought it cost you the game, all the Bengals the game. Completely cost us the game. I think it was made pretty clear early on that Joe Burrow was going to be fine with this finger and that he was going to be okay to throw the ball and he was throwing some absolute dimes to the likes of, um, we saw Tyler Boyd really step up last week, T Higgins stepped up late, Jamar Chase obviously had a huge game. Yet, we also had Fred Warner back to the 49ers, one of the Mm -hmm. best run stuffers in the league and one of the most banged up secondaries in the league against one of the better wide receiving cores in who in those names I've just said. Mm. Yet the amount of times we ran the ball on first and second down was absolute insanity. The only time that it seemed like Zach Taylor trusted Joe Burrow to throw the ball was when we needed to go down the field with what a minute left and score a touchdown to tie the game. Mm. And he, Joe, when Joe, Joe Burrow demonstrated one of the better drives I've seen in a long, long time, the way he was throwing the ball, the way he moved the ball, the clutch, the clutch nature that he demonstrated was absolutely sensational. And okay, fine, Zach Taylor, learn from your mistakes, learn from your mistakes. And when you go into overtime, we get the ball first. Do not take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. We get down to the 49ers red zone or just outside the red zone run, run, sack. Mm. It was just so frustrating when clearly the player who was going to change the game for us, the 49ers secondary at that point was decimated. They were knackered. Mm. They couldn't cover anyone. We clearly were going to get some great one-on-one matchups. I've got a question for you on that. So watching the Bengals as closely as you do, typically in the red zone, what do they tend to, I don't know, obviously it depends where you are in the red zone. When they're close to, you know, within, you know, with w- goal to go, what what they dialed up typically? Do they often, they lean on the road, they lean on Mixon to get it done? So they will, I mean, it pretty much is, is, it is so obvious that we're always going to run a very simplistic run play on first down. I mean, it is just so blatant, but a lot of the time, Joe Mixon is very talented and our offensive line has performed better than expected this season. So we've actually, Succeeded, but against 49ers, who blatantly was such a way better run defensive team than pass defensive team. It was so obvious that we needed to rely on Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow was playing so well mm. that it context applies. Whether against this week, I think you run the ball in a lot of the situations, especially because you've got the likes of Pat Satan, Justin Simmons, who are some of the better red zone defenders from the passing game in the league. I think you look to Joe Mixon because Denver struggles stopping the run. It's all about context. And the f- I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when Zach Taylor was 
going to the run as much as he did in the situation he found himself in. And he admitted, to be fair to him, he came out after the game and he admitted, he said, I was too conservative. I should have put the ball in Joe Burrow's hand more. But I'm mm. sorry if you couldn't see that as an NFL head coach, as someone who works with Joe Burrow day in, day out, saw him all week, as someone who's been preparing to play for a 49ers team that is so banged up in the secondary. If you couldn't see that we needed to exploit that and utilize Joe Burrow as much as possibly can and all of these brilliant offensive weapons we have, then there is serious problems to be said. And that, and do you know what it was? Is that George Kittle came out after the game. It's a great point made by uh, Paul Denner Jr., the brilliant Bengals beat writer for The Athletic. He said, the funniest thing about it is George Kittle came out after that game and said that felt like a playoff game. Yes. That every single Cincinnati Bengals game, sure did that feel like a playoff game. Mm -hmm. Because it just felt like, how did we lose that game? I completely understand we had the muff punts. Yeah. And that put us, obviously, in a negative position. 49ers scored points off both of them. But that wasn't the reason we lost that game. We could have still won because of the brilliance of Joe Burrow, because of the brilliance of Jamar Chase. That catch in the end zone where he so nearly went out of bounds and just kept his toes in, absolutely brilliant. T Higgins and Jamar Chase are two of the best young wide receivers in the oh, league. And it's so exciting to have both of them on this team. Love watching it. Hey, what's happening to Darius Phillips? Is he getting get uh, He's on the practice squad. Oh, has he been dumped to the practice squad? Oh, yeah. I know. It's, it's so rough, isn't it? It is so rough. Tough business. It's a tough business. Right. Oh, you'll be proud of me. Uh, great argument, by the way. And uh, I, I really, uh, really intrigued as to, because they'll stay with Taylor next season, obviously. But... Obviously. Who are you going with? Are you going with Broncos? What's the line? The line is uh, plus, the Bengals uh, plus two and a half. I think I might be. Yeah, I think I might be. I think I might just. You got sharp now. You got sharp. I'm, go- is that, I'm on the shop side of this. Yeah, you got to stop You see, I'm <laughs> getting good at this now. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't feel strongly about this game. You know, I love, you know, from week one of the season, I love the Bengals. They are one of my favorite teams to watch. And, uh, and so I love watching the games. And equally, I suppose the Broncos, because we were quite big on them in the, in the off season. We spent a bit of time on them. And I think you and I did identify them in the context of what I was saying right at the top uh, as a team that are going to go under the radar a little bit. And, and and I think that's proved to be the case. I don't think they're getting the credit and the attention that, that they deserve, but I don't feel strongly about it. It's, it's, I, I could see the Bengals tearing it up and lighting it up and, you know, 14, 17 points up before, you know, it. and I think if, if the Broncos have to chase this game, they're in trouble. Uh, but equally I could see that Broncos defense tightening the screw a little bit they're grounding control in the clock you know grinding out on the ground so it could go either way I probably would lean the Broncos but it's not going to be a strong play for me this week I um, as much as the sharp play the Broncos I think there's a trap to this I think a lot of the public money will be going Cincinnati Bengals I can't look past my Cincinnati Bengals I just think the matchup suits us because we are so good at stopping the run we're ranked 10th Mm in run D by DVOA. And if we take away Javante Williams, if we take away Melvin Gordon, then I like our chances of stopping Teddy Bridgewater. And at the same time, I think that Joe Mixon might be able to run all over this Broncos team. The Bengals are also four and two against the spread on the road this season. We've actually been much better away from them. If you're giving us points, I've got 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 to say the Bengals. Got something for you on that. The Because you'd be proud of me here because I've got a propo. uh, Because I know you and our listeners know that you spend... Mo 19, sometimes 20 hours in a day, pouring over stats and data and graphs and algorithms, uh, getting set for edge rush. And I maybe not spent that amount of time, <laughs> but I have got a good stat for you. The Bengals 
covering in 66.7% of their road games, which I think is basically the stat you just gave. <laughs> but, 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 differently. but, 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 beating the spread by an average of 11.3 points mm. per game on the road. Uh, so they don't just cover, they cover. I know that's because we've absolutely battered the Browns and the Steelers, isn't it? So that ah, so that's what the average. Uh, absolutely, okay, yeah, yeah, because it was um, so there's a lot of lo- the AFC North. Shady stats. All right, next up. <laughs> so you like the Broncos? Sorry, you like the Bengals uh, in that one? Uh, I'm leaning Broncos, but not strongly. Next up, Green Bay at Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens' offense in uh, all kinds of trouble at the moment. The of course, the big question here is whether Lamar's going to start. There is a suggestion that or expectation I should say that he will his ankle yeah. injury they're, they're expecting him to start just on that though the Lamar the drop off to, to Tyler right mm-hmm. I was thinking about this in terms of scale of drop off from starter to backup right in the NFL mm-hmm. so at one end the good end of drop off the, the the minimal or the minimized Baker damage to Baker to Case Keenum exactly right then I suppose you could also say within, you know, kind of getting more towards the the middle of the pack, but on that side of the line to a to Brissette, right? You know, it's 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 obviously in, in every case, pretty much. Yes, no, I think I'd say in every case. I don't, I was just thinking that's kind of Sam Donald era. You might be able to have one or two examples of a quarterback that's in such a deep funk that actually they're clamoring for a backup or the rookie or whatever that it, it would represent an upgrade, but. Typically, it's obviously a downgrade. The question is how significant. So two to Brissette is a downgrade, but mm, not dramatic. Where, and at the other end, I'd have at the moment, based on what we've seen, Rogers to Jordan Love, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, the diametric yeah. opposite end. <clears throat> so where is Lamar to, to Tyler then in that mix? I think, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the issue with what we saw last week is recency bias comes into play and you would say the drop-off is minimum minimalized because of how badly the Ravens have been performing on offense mm. in recent. Just to put that in context, they're averaging less than 17 points a game in their past five games. It's, it is absolutely incredible how bad they have been in recent weeks. So you'd say that from what we've seen since week eight, probably in the middle, it would probably be around the middle, but I think, if I'm going with what I've seen from Lamar Jackson since he entered this league, I'm saying there's a massive drop-off because you're going from a superstar. Lamar Jackson is an MVP of this league. He is an absolute superstar. Yeah. And he is currently playing with a really banged-up team. I mean, he's been without Ronnie Stanley now for like two seasons, one of the best left tackles, the highest-paid left tackle in the league. That doesn't demonstrate to you how important he is to this team. I think last uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the defensive linemen, said how bad this offensive line was when they played against the Ravens, when they put up that, what, 13 points against the Steelers. I don't think we can really criticise Lamar Jackson too much from what we've seen in recent weeks just because of how badly banged up this team is. Mm. And I think it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you what, we had the, what, the first seven weeks where everyone was saying, and especially me and you, because me and you, we, are champ, we love Lamar Jackson and I think we that we'll always back him. Yeah. Um, we were very much celebrating how well he was passing the ball, his so pass well. guards massively increasing, but... I mean, it's been the past seven weeks, it's been hard to argue against it and all of the, he's a running back comments are coming back right. out. And Ridiculous. All of those. So there's a great piece on The Ringer by Stephen Ruiz, the journal, on the Ravens offense and indicating, and this is, a, this is an argument I have heard made by 
the great J Bell, no less. Now, I remember J Bell making this argument to me, and I think OC was in agreement when we were doing uh, a show together a couple of years back. When I, it must have been, it might have been last season. It's probably, it was probably thinking it through. I think it was probably this time last year or thereabouts, where they were saying, we were having this conversation, the one you and I have, can we stop this patronizing narrative on Lamar Jackson is only a runner? And they were saying the problem's Greg Roman. He's the problem. And this is the argument that Stephen Ruiz puts out uh, in his column for the ringer headline. The Ravens offense is failing Lamar Jackson. What does Baltimore need to fix it? Go and seek out the article. It's terrific. And really sort of deep dives into some of the key issues with, with the play calling in, in particular and, and the, why Greg Roman is, is the issue in that, in the piece, he emphasizes just how good in the first six, seven weeks of the season, to your point, Lamar, was particularly with his arm. So for all you Lamar haters, mm. or at least those skeptics who feel he can't pass the ball, just go and look at those numbers, look at this piece, because he has demonstrated clearly that he has that in his locker. Incidentally, and I can't remember if, if Ruiz mentions this in the piece or not, but that was without Rashad Bateman, right? Who was Because he was banged oh, up, he's come into the team now, who's a baller. So <clears throat> I, it's a good piece anyway. And I think it's compelling argument to suggest that that Greg Roman might be the problem and the system that he's On that about. point, if, if Lamar Jackson made that throw on fourth and one on the goal line that Mahomes did last night. Yes. Oh, right, right. Where he basically just threw it straight into the ground. Imagine how much that would be clipped up, put on social media, and people would be saying Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And actually on the cons, Aikman said every quarterback, that happens to every every, every quarterback tries to do that and and typically will pull it off, but sometimes that can happen, right? And this is Aikman. And I know that Aikman gets the Aikman Buck tag team get had their critics and everything else. But I'm old enough to remember Aikman was an unbelievable player. Right? Mm. So when he talks about quarterbacking, listen, and and I think he made a great point there. So, and you have as well uh, with that. All right. So on this banged up secondary, uh, no Marlon Humphrey, no Peters, of course. Uh, it is hard to put an argument for, for for the Ravens. The line I'm guessing is assuming Lamar starts. Yeah, it's assuming that Lamar starts. It's in Baltimore and it's still Green Bay Packers are favoured by five and a half points. Currently, Why are you smiling proper? What are the Sharps saying? No, it's that, no, the Sharps aren't saying anything. The cash, 97% of the cash is on Green Bay. 91% of the tickets is on Green Bay. So if anything, the Sharps are more on Green Bay. Mm. The line moved from it started open at six and a half when they thought Lamar was going to be out. Moved down to four and a half and has gone back to five and a half. Mm. It's... I mean, where the Baltimore Ravens, they are so banged up in the secondary. You're going against Aaron Rodgers and an unstoppable Devontae Adams. Yeah. With the likes of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard also being able to contribute. Mm. Where, in, What argument can you make for the Baltimore Ravens in this game? You, you can't. To the, can't. To, the, to the degree, oh, to the degree. Lock. They're my true lock of the week, the Green Bay Packers. Plus five and a half. Uh, minus five and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that's a great pick because in what world do they not cover this? It's just, oh, it makes absolutely Under a touchdown. Sense. Yeah. Sure. I've got a question for you all. The total is, I'm what well, the book I'm looking at right now, 43 and a half. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. That seems low. Well, no, you know why that is though, don't you? It's because the Baltimore Ravens can't score any points. That we're assuming. So the team total for the Packers is what, like 27? Yeah, I think, well, I think what, they're expecting is the Baltimore Ravens to 
counter their lack of offense with a defensive masterclass and trying to really keep this game close and run the ball, dominate time of possession. That's the one thing the Ravens have been able to do is dominate possession with the short gains, with the short yardage gains, with the runs by Lamar. So that's the only thing I guess they're looking at here. But as I said, yeah, I mean, when I looked at this, honestly, I'm completely with you. I looked at it and said, I still expect the Baltimore Ravens to score probably about 17 points here. Yeah. And if you, I think the the Packers should easily part thirty. Here's a trivia question for you: Which team is ranked thirty second out of thirty two in special teams DBOA? Well, I guess it's one of these two teams. Should we go Packers. It is the Green Bay Packers. Propo the week is that is that all on Mason Crosby? <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I, I'm almost certain it is. It might be one of those ridiculously. Uh, ridiculous stats. I think there's more to it than that. Um, but I think, yeah, Mason Crosby and his errant kicking, it could be, uh, it could be. That's another example of a nepotism at play there because it's brilliant. I love the way that if Mason, if anyone else had missed the amount of kicks that Mason Crosby had, yes, they would be out, they would be out of a job. But Mason Crosby, because of how iconic he's been for the Packers over the past 10 years or so, and because he's just best mates with Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. Is, he, is that what it is? Yeah, he's just really, really good mates with Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, the, and the Green Bay Packers seem absolutely terrified about Aaron Rodgers. On that note, speaking about the Packers, we're both going to, you're locking down the Packers. I think it's a great bet. One person I want to give a lot of credit to because I don't think he gets enough love considering the success he's had since he came into the league. The quite difficult position he's in con- with the way that Aaron Rodgers behaves off the field and kind of all of the noise surrounding this franchise. Matt LaFleur's regular season win percentage mm is 82%. It's the best in the Super Bowl era of coaches with 25 or more games, currently at 36 and eight. And I think it's very easy to say, yeah, but he's got Aaron Rodgers, he's got Devontae Adams. But this defense has improved significantly year on year. And that was the major problem when he came into this team. Mm -hmm. He's also managed to manage a very difficult political situation at the franchise and still win games. They obviously had the moment where they started this season horrendously, similar happened last season, and they've managed to completely put all of that aside and away from a freak loss to the Vikings and a freak loss with Jordan Love they have been absolutely dominant this season and absolutely brilliant with Aaron Rodgers with injury issues with everything going on I think Matt LaFleur deserves a lot more credit than he gets in this league from what we've seen from him from the start from the get-go of being a coach in this league I think it's a brilliant point and it's absolutely indicative of the simplistic narrative which an inverse of that for many years was was Brady at, at New England where he wasn't given credit because he was working with one of the all-time great coaches it turns out Brady's one of the all-time great quarterbacks but it was well yeah you know the the, the age-old story we've had a million times before yeah of course Brady's winning because the situation's so good and he's a game manager and put Peyton in and everything else it, it's the flip side of that well of course the first successful he's got the greatest quarterback of his generation and uh and too much emphasis is put on that particularly particularly uh, given the offseason i mean you it's such a great point how the the packers are steamrolling into the playoffs as an absolute bona fide super bowl contender mm-hmm. the dysfunction around this organization because of rogers or the rogers situation in the offseason it's still being forgotten now to the degree where, well, I think Rogers is going to stay as a pack of indefinite. Now who knows, right? But those editorials are popping up left, right and center. Great point. He steadied, steadied things, run a really, really smooth, smooth operation. 
uh, got to be a contender for coach of the year. He won't win it for all of those reasons, right? He's mm-hmm. not a fashionable pick for that. But, and, but I think it's a really, really good point. And one I haven't heard made nearly enough. So prop to you, prop O for that one. Which way uh, are you leaning? It's my lock of the week, the package. Yeah, I mean, I've got to go that? with you. Okay. I've got to go with you. I can't, I was trying to find a way to make an argument for the Baltimore Ravens because I love Lamar. I love John Harbour and what he's, capable of doing but you can't expect this secondary to there's like the injured player theory that a lot of people buy into a lot of gamblers buy into which is the idea that next man up injured players are Mm. way over like overemphasized in the market and that people put too much into it when the there's such a like a high quality of players across the board but you can't when you don't have (laughs) they have 14 players on IR the Baltimore Mm. Ravens 14 players it's absolutely insanity the only way you make an argument for the Ravens is if they were rolling on offense which they're doing the direct opposite of so what I do like is I think you might see a little bit of a correction there I think they might play a little bit better on offense what people are expecting so I like the over and I like the Packers sometimes you just have to go the obvious picks don't overthink it and those are the two obvious picks and Mm. now you're a schmuck and you've been successful all season so it's (laughs) (laughs) so I have to follow it exactly a clock is right twice a day or whatever whatever you're (laughs) another one of Propos sage sage one-liners the uh, under a touch on the number as well I mean I'm really surprised it's not a pushing is pushing seven home field seven. advantage is also nothing in the nfl anymore it's like apparently it's like, i think it's like 51 percent win rate for home field advantage so it's basically and, that's and a, even i think even more weighted when you're playing a team like the packers who have fans all over yeah. there all over the country as we saw i mean i know the charges is maybe an unfair comparison but it seemed like there were more chiefs fans in the stadium last night all right pittsburgh tennessee is the next game here's one for y'all yeah the person in the nc show crew yeah most likely to do a Chase Claypool. <laughs> See, I think it's me or you, maybe Tom Beacon. <laughs> but I think I think you and I are going to be the red hot favourites for that. Yeah, I I mean, that was hilarious. That was absolutely brilliant. It's like the idea, so basically what you like, I would pack up, like sometimes you see me on the radio show, I pack up. Like I said, the games aren't going to overtime. Yes. But I always say, oh, we'll be fine. We'll be out. We'll be out by this. By packing this your bag. So just to put this in context, listeners, we don't have a hard affair time on the Red Zone show. So when the games are winding down, then Ollie starts to get ready to, to get that train. So he, I can see through the glass. He should be concentrating on producing the show. But yeah. of course... I use that term loosely. Yeah, very loosely. <laughs> I've been listening to Nat for four and a half hours. I mean, it's enough for any person, quite frankly. Uh, it's. I'm sure the CIA would use that as some kind of, <laughs> some kind of interrogation <laughs> technique. The the bag's getting packed. He is out the. He's one foot out of the door. Yeah, always. And will typically jinx a game like the almost the Washington Dallas game. When that starts Washington to go. Dallas game and also the Ravens uh, Browns game. That was also a possibility that that could have also gone to overtime. So it was all kicking off. I literally said, I I called it about 8.15, which was way too early. I was about an hour. I was trying to do all the math in the math in my head and as if anyone listens to that radio show they should know that Nat and, our, Nat and mine mathematical capabilities are not tragic great. not great <laughs> which, which really really should instill you with confidence listeners on, on edge rush saying it's, it's, it's significantly <laughs> about numbers so I think yeah I think you and I I, I see so I feel like Ben would be quite Julio Jones yeah make the catch would would be all Larry Fitz you know that, that would be Ben he'd just be he'd, he'd get it he'd take care of it he'd get straight down uh, Carlson would probably get into some kind of altercation with 
with rest. one of the defense. Uh, yeah, all the refs or both. Always the refs. Yeah, <laughs> As the yeah. clock flag would be thrown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always the refs with Carlson. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Like what Marek, J Bell, of course, would be strictly business. I think it'd be me and you, and maybe and maybe, maybe Tom Deacon. Yeah, Tom Deacon actually isn't a bad shout at all. We could definitely, definitely see him doing that. What about Greg Rosenthal? I think he would also be quite measured, wouldn't he? I don't think he's probably that style. He would no, he would be strictly business with a slight glint in his eye. And he yeah. he'd, he'd he'd be running back and fit style, let's move, let's move, let's move, but have an acerbic one-liner that you fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as as exactly. As yeah. No, I did feel sorry for Chase Claypool because he did get all of the flack for that when realistically what should have got the flack was the run defence for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was absolutely pathetic last week and it doesn't look good for them going against a uh, uh, continuously rolling Titans offence. Well, pathetic last week, pathetic last three games. They ranked 29th at EPA uh, play against the run 182 yards on the ground in the last three games so that bodes well I think for this type of side that keeps on mm-hmm. getting it done still no AJ but they've got Julio back Golden Tate have you seen they've picked up Golden Tate the Titans I love that pick he's one of the greatest He's he always celebrates before he gets in the end zone Golden do you reckon they, they're going to go chase Claypool and Golden Tate go head to head and who can celebrate <laughs> more waste the clock? Did they activate Golden Tate solely for that principle? Yeah. <laughs> for that purpose, I should say. But, uh, so the line is on this as well. So the line is moved down. There's quite a lot of money is coming for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the past couple of days. So now it is effectively a pick em. Tennessee Titans are getting a point. The game is in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the line opened actually. Two, the Tennessee were favoured by two and a half. The sharp money is all coming in on Pittsburgh and the public money is all going on Tennessee. The, sharp, the, the over-under is 43. As always, the public money is going on the over and the sharp money is going on the under uh it's this is a fascinating game for various reasons i think the pittsburgh steelers just have to win realistically mm-hmm. especially with the schedule they have for the rest of the season this is one of the few winnable games and i will always lean towards it's slightly less so now because the numbers kind of come down to a pick em mm-hmm. but i will always lean towards taking mike tomlin as an underdog. The Steelers are 10 and 8 straight up and 11, 4 and 3 as a home underdog under head coach Mike Tomlin. That includes records of 6 and 1 straight up and 6 0 and 1 against the spread as a home underdog since the start of 2018. Mike Tomlin loves these spots. He loves being underestimated. We saw it against the Baltimore Ravens two weeks ago. I see a similar kind of game. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be dirty. The Titans have absolutely no pass protection whatsoever. They also have pretty much no one to pass to. I don't think Golden Tate is necessarily going to change that. So I think TJ Watt should feast in this game. I think it's hard to look away from the Steelers, Mm. to be completely honest with you. But the only fear, obviously, is the fact that they haven't been able to stop the run. And that is what the Titans like to do. But as we've always said now on this show, if we're talking about it, that that's a blatant mismatch, what do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be doing all week? Yeah, that's right. And I think, incidentally, Golden Tate, I don't think he's going to be ready this week. I, uh, from what I read, I think he, he'll... Oh, no. Him. So no Golden Tate this week. The It's, again, a really difficult game to to call for, for, for me. For you, you put some really compelling arguments out there. I think there are... We talked about it on the show, haven't we? This uh, extraordinary... Uh, duality with Big Ben where he is you should have retired five years ago for three quarters and then suddenly yeah. goes up and he's vintage Big Ben and and then maybe that is logical and, and part of the course that he is 
got a little bit left in the tank and he only chooses it carefully. There is a sense increasingly as the season goes on and Rottersberger knows it's his last year and the Steelers stay in the playoff mix. I think that has a factor. I, I do. Uh, equally, I feel the Titans have definitely demonstrated s- strength in adversity since Henry's gone down and we've identified how impressive they've been really considering or the results have been. I know that sometimes they've got away with it with an abject offensive performance because the defense has, has taken care of it. Nevertheless, they are still hanging around that number one seed or a top seed despite not having Henry. And I and I feel that's the vibe that Vrabel creates. It's something we've discussed many times on the NC show. My admiration for Vrabel, the mood in that camp, the way that he has got players balling for him. And I think we're seeing that play out in, in the last five, six weeks, the way that the Titans have tackled that situation, not always perfectly, obviously, but nevertheless, they are not dissimilar to the argument we've been putting out for the Chiefs, right? Which is, oh, the Chiefs are suck. They're never going to be the same. The dynasty's over. And yeah, they were still above 500. And then guess what? They started putting a run together and here they are now. Despite the fact, okay, maybe the offense is finally starting to, to, to chime, but it's still not entirely in sync. They were winning ugly. They were getting the results and, and the Titans are in the same mix there. So I lean, I'm leaning Tennessee for that reason, uh, as well as the fact I do think they can establish the ground game o- on the Steelers, irrespective of if it's going to be the most obvious thing, because I think that lends itself very well to this Titans offense. As Iron Mike always reminds us, it's the threat of the ground game that sets up the play action, not necessarily the effectiveness. Now, I know you can counter argue and say, well, if it's not an effective ground game, that it ceases to become a threat. But I think the Titans have demonstrated that it can be effective enough, even if it's not Derek Henry level, to get contributions from, but also to tee up Tannehill and co with the aerial attack. So I'm leaning, as it's a pick him. I'm leaning the Titans, but it's a, again a tough game that I don't feel strongly about. I would say that I am. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, considering the games they have coming up, I think they would have this one circled. I think the mm. Tennessee Titans are slightly overvalued at this point, mm. considering how depleted they are on offense because of that win against the Urban Meyer-led Jacksonville Jaguars last week and that mm. shutout. This is going to be. I see this playing out in the in very very similar fashion to that Baltimore Ravens game. Mm. It's in Pittsburgh. Uh, those yellow towels are going to be flying all over the place. I think they're going to make it yeah. really difficult for Ryan Tannehill. It's basically a playoff game. And in these situations, I'm going to back Mike Tomlin and what he can get out of this team. I think he's going to be able to get them up for it. I believe Big Ben, as you know, it's the last dance for him. So I mm. think he knows that he needs to win this game. Deontay Johnson is a stud. As much as Chase Claypool embarrassed himself last week, he actually played really, really yeah, well. see Claypool going off in this game. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Pat Fryermuth obviously, has also been love him. Yeah, we've got to love him. him. What a great name. And the Titans defense is being sensational and it's been solid and they've been good at taking away the run, but what they can't do is stop the pass. So I expect Big Ben to actually have quite a big game in this in this yeah. matchup and especially in the fourth quarter, obviously. I wonder if they're going to be able to get to him a bit in terms of the rush, because obviously there's no mobility at all there. So I wonder if that could be a key factor. If, if, if the Titans can, as they have done on a number of occasions this season, can play above their level in terms of that side of, uh, of the defense that could be interesting all right you know my drew lock of the week which way are you going on 
So I was actually, it was, it was funny. I was actually leaning towards, so I had sort of three in my mind. Pittsburgh was actually one of them. Um, Interesting. Okay. I was thinking that Pittsburgh put the numbers just to pick them at plus two and a half. I was liking it a little bit more. I thought it might even get up to three at a certain point because of the way they played against the Vikings. Steered clear of that. The Cincinnati Bengals was another one I was thinking about just because I think the matchup works so well again against the Denver Broncos, but I think that's a trap. I think that the public money is all coming on the Bengals. All of the picks I've seen from people online have all been the Cincinnati Bengals and that always concerns me. So I'm going with another theory we know we had we did well last week with the Dallas covering obviously it was a little bit shady at the Mm. end but they covered because of the correction spot where we saw the Washington football team were going to demonstrate that they're not quite as good as everyone thought they were in the previous weeks or we had seen from in the previous weeks and the Dallas Cowboys were going to correct that and they were going to be better than what we had seen I think that we're going to see the moment the Atlanta Falcons get knocked out of this playoff race it's so interesting you've gone there. That was my backup pick. What, the Niners? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I mean, the Falcons have to be one of the worst six and seven teams in recent memory. The defense is absolutely awful. They rank 30th in defensive DVOA. So I think the 49ers are going to be able to score a lot of points. We've seen Brandon Ayuk getting back to himself at his best. I mean, George Kittle is one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. He is incredible both at blocking and catching. He basically single-handedly tore the Bengals apart. How many times have I said that at tight end, single-handedly tearing a Bengals apart. <laughs> yeah. George Kittle managed to do it last week. He was really impressive. And obviously Debo Samuel is one of the most exciting players in the league. And Jimmy Garoppolo has those kind of guys around him, which means he doesn't necessarily have to do much. You've got Carl Shanahan, the great offensive mind. Atlanta's offense, they're not going to be able to get much going. I think Nick Bose is going to feast. I think they're going to get a lot of pressure from the edge against this terrible offensive line. They still don't have Calvin Ridley. All they have to do is take away Carl Pitts and Cordell Patterson. I know I said that last week yeah. and the Panthers weren't able to do it, but I think the 49ers are one of a much better team than the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons are not going to be going to 500 this week and I think the 49ers will crush them. I love that pick. Uh, the only reason I kind of well, I just feel more Big number. about the Packers, obviously. The number, yeah, exactly. Nine and a half. I thought, oh, if it had been eight and a half, I'd have been all in on that. And I still think I'll take it at nine and a half. I love it. The other one I liked, which was on my shortlist, uh, if you're interested, because we've been in, in decent nick, I'm actually going to have, uh, as a straight up pick in my acca, is the Rams. I like the Rams in that spot against the Seahawks. Three and a half is the line. So I know it's over that three, but I like LA. Um, it's just the COVID. It's just COVID is the only issue. But in terms of that, though, that is... How many How many are out for them? I think they've lost Jalen Ramsey, like Tyler Higby's gone. And Ramsey I, I knew about, yeah. Yeah, those, I mean, I, at the same time, I completely agree with you. I think that the Rams definitely should beat the Seattle Seahawks, even if they are banged up. In oh, areas. Von Miller's on it as well now. The Seahawks have also lost uh, lost a couple of players. They've lost Alex Collins. So I think, as I'll uh, just give a warning here. We're deep into the show. Probably should have said this at the top. You've got to keep an eye on these injury reports. You've got to keep an eye on these COVID lists because they mm. will be very significant before you take action this weekend. You don't want to enter a game having back to team and then see that two of the players, which are the reasons why you back to team, mm. aren't playing because they were put on the COVID list the day before. So it's very, very important. But nonetheless, the Rams are a much better team than the Seahawks. We yeah. just know the Rams, they have to get up early. Uh, 21 active players and four practice squad players in health protocols. So, <laughs> 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 and, um, uh, and uh, Jalen Ramsey. Nevertheless, I'm going, um, Rams in my, uh, well, maybe not with the three and a half, but they're in my. No, I quite like in that game, the over. 
which has mm. gone down to 45 because of the players missing on offense, both teams. Interesting. But I think the uh, players missing on defense is probably more important. Mm. I would take, uh, well, the over is interesting that 45, 45. Uh, I am taking in the ACA, so San Francisco or in my ACA, the Rams and then the Dallas Cowboys. So the, the, the gamble there really is, is the Rams for reasons you said, but they're two to one on, on the money line or thereabouts, depending on which book you're on. Uh, that gets around, it's over even, it's about one point. Yeah, just over even. So 1.22 on the book I'm looking at right now. So that's my ACA of the week. Uh, Propo, you're allowed to veto. You're allowed to have an alternative ACA. Do you want to veto the Rams pick there? Well, the only one I would potentially do, but I understand you may not want to double down, is I would assume that even if you had the Packers in there as money line, so if you put Dallas, 49ers and Green Bay, you're still above evens. Mm. So that's the only other possibility that you could go for because I really like Green Bay straight oh, up. Oh, they, I'll, I'll accept the veto. That's a great shout. Given yeah. the fact I didn't know just quite how severe the, the Rams COVID situation was, let's flip that. So officially we're saying Dallas, Frisco, Green Bay. Love that. Yeah. Love I that. think the Rams one you just don't know, especially what we've seen from Cleveland as the week's gone on. It seems that more COVID tests keep coming keep coming so if you've got a couple it's always quite concerning going forward and the rams you never know matt stafford might test positive and then it's it's a complete it's completely up in the air so i yeah. think we're we've definitely kind of structured this show around the covid cases to try and avoid them so i think we stick with that and go for the packers in this uh so that leaves us last but by no means least with propos prop bets of the week so we're going touchdown scores touchdown scorer special i'm going to start with James Robinson to score a touchdown. The man is free of Urban Meyer. He's going to be allowed to ball. The guy is one of the best running backs in this league. I'm 100% sure of that. I had no idea why Urban Meyer Meyer decided to use him so unfavorably. It was absolute insanity. He has a favorable matchup against a Texans defense that's given up a league high 1,923 rushing yards and has yielded 22 touchdown runs. So I expect James Robinson to score a touchdown for the Jags this weekend. Love that. Next one is Chris Godwin to score a touchdown for the Bucks against Atlanta and Buffalo. Godwin saw 32 targets and he reeled in 25 of them for 248 receiving yards he has been absolutely balling but in both of those contests he hasn't been able to find the end zone he has been dominant I expect him to get in the end zone against the Saints we know that Marshall Lattimore and Mike Evans have this weird feud they have to go they have to go one-on-one against each other we saw it early in the season that's when Godwin managed to feast against them in that loss which against Trevor Simeon so I expect Chris Godwin to score a touchdown and take advantage of the mismatch there and my final one again is buy low sell high Nat CeeDee Lamb has gotten the bulk of the targets in the talented Cowboys receiving core. 23 targets, 14 receptions. But the volume produced actually isn't that impressive. Only 150 yards and no touchdowns. Lamb has actually even carried the ball three times for 48 yards in those two games. He actually has more yards per carry than per catch over the last two games, which I don't think anyone would have expected to happen. But I expect that to be corrected this week, going up against the New York Giants. I reckon they actually quite, I do have quite a decent passing defense, but I think James Bradbury will be all over Amari Cooper. And I think CeeDee Lamb should be able to feast as a result. Mm, love that. Remember, Propo was two out of three last week, as we said, with his prop bets, and he's been rolling on the season. I mean, certainly well over 500 on those. So get involved with those, have a bit of fun. And indeed, all of this is just a bit of fun. So if you are going to take some action, be sensible. Everything in moderation, as the saying goes enjoy best of luck hope our 
prop bets continue to roll proper. I mean, our uh, Drew Locks of the Week continue to roll because it's getting interesting now, much like eerily, like the actual playoff picture, right? <laughs> we are taking it to the wire. And of course, there's a lot riding on it outside of the, the pride, the most important thing. There's going to be a trophy. We're going to get a trophy, trophy, particularly, I think a, a, a very cheap one would, would be really mm. appropriate. But maybe we could get one made up of a Drew Lock bobblehead. Let's get on eBay and find a Drew Lock bobblehead and maybe customize some kind of trophy. Um, but there's also going to be a, a, a forfeit, right? So we've got to decide what that is. Not, we're not, I think we agreed. I think maybe. you still owe me a forfeit, actually, because we went head to head in one of the game, in one of our Drew Locks. Uh, I, don't one. That. I, don't I think you still owe me a forfeit, actually. No ink. We're not allowed to. <laughs> we're not allowed to ink up. Uh, but apart from that, anything uh, anything goes. I'm looking forward. Maybe it'll tie in nicely with when we get out of this bleak winter that we're in, and it will pass. Listeners, we'll get through this as we have done uh, over the last couple of years, and get the spring will be here, which means the combine will be here, which means <laughs> Propo versus NC. Our combine. Our, I can't wait for that. So, that is going to be very exciting. I've told you, the only one you're winning is the 40-yard dash. Apart from that, I'm winning everything. I don't know, man. I really don't know. Oh, and the jumping. I have really tight hamstrings. I can't jump. <laughs> so that's two, suddenly. What, yeah. what, what am I going to struggle? What else is there? You can't kick. You can't throw. can kick. Yeah, yes, I can. Yes, I can. All right, we'll find. This is all the motivation I need. Keep bringing it. By all means, send me messages on WhatsApp. It will go on. It will go on the wall. It will go on the locker room wall. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, yeah. It's just at the end of the day, I rely what solely on my hand-eye coordination and my foot-eye coordination. So I'm yeah. excited for that. Oh, really? Is that right? I cannot, yeah. wait. I cannot wait for this. Oh, you are setting yourself up for such a big fall. Looking forward to that. That's all to come. Uh, and we've got plenty more to come uh, on the show. Of course, I'm Mike back next week. We are slightly condensed over the Christmas period, right? So we're going to roll with uh, I and Mike, of course, each and every week. Me and you propose. So we're going to do a similar thing where we look at a, a kind of extended edge rush show, preview show uh, over the next couple of weeks. So we'll have you set looking back and looking forwards. Ben will drop by with the College Day special, of course, for the bowl games. We might even wheel Ben on to our edge rush show as well. For uh, Maybe that's what we'll do next week is get Ben on for the College Day, uh, some College Day's edge rush special. So maybe we'll weave Ben into our preview edge rush show next week and make it all work. We'll work it out. That's what Ollie uh, is paid for, the brains of the operation. He will sort that out. In the meantime, uh, enjoy the weekend's action. Keep safe out there. All best of luck with your bets. Can't wait. Let's do this. We're back uh, Sunday. When are we on air? Five o'clock. Speaking of condensed shows, condensed show on TalkSport 2 this week. Yeah, condensed show on TalkSport 2. Wait, what, is, is there anything more Christmassy than uh, darts on the radio? Because <laughs> <laughs> that is what is uh, coming up from seven o'clock on TalkSport 2. So we'll be doing more of a magazine style show, five till seven, focusing on all the big topics. You, Ben, and me will get some special guests on, talk about some of the major stories heading nice. into the business end of the season. Love that. Love that. Five o'clock talk sport to check that out uh, at the NC show on social channels. Enjoy. We will see you with Iron Mike on Monday. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.